0: personal life I want to share with you guys, Um, and if we could turn our Bibles to um, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 22, and uh, maybe on a practical level, I can share with you guys just something. Um, I just first of all want us to understand that God is so for you. Oh yeah, that just really needs to be so cleared in our minds that God is so for you. You know, I remember as an 11-year-old kid um, just discovering my Bible and just beginning to read it and just in the middle of just a lot of interesting family dynamics and I wish I could have understood that more at that age um, that God is so for me and it wasn't something until I learned later when I went to Bible school and uh, God is so for you as a man, really He's so for you. and there's so much in this world system that is against men. Um, you have the whole the whole industry on the internet that is that is gauged to demoralize the value of a woman and to uh, create a uh, create um, a totally wrong perception for men of who they are and what the, the world that they live in. And so, Right now, we 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 just know that the the whole industry of addictions from A to Z is so it's such a money making um, operation, and that's why, guys, we are not seeing law enforcement the way we should see it happening. Because, I mean, Houston is a super highway from Asia through Mexico into Houston and California, and and, and I mean, some of these southern states are really just are becoming these. Um, super highways just for human trafficking uh, and this whole world of just bizarre destruction and trafficking of, of human souls and the whole world of sex traffic. And this whole industry is, is, so bent on, um, is just so bent on making money off of, of, of men who do not understand who they are. And the primary thing that we as men need to understand primarily, first of all, is what we see Jesus and Peter's conversation in Matthew 16. Jesus asks the deci- he asks the crowd who do men say that I am? And and then you know people are saying, "Well, you're like Elijah, you're like Jeremiah, I mean, you you're you got power like Elijah, you weep like Jeremiah, you you know, you're you're like this and you're like that." And it's just all stereotypical perceptions of who God is. And that's what most of Christianity is living in. Stereotypical uh, concepts of who who Jesus Christ is. Then he turns to his disciples and he say, "But who do you say that I am?" And Peter, Peter, who is who is always failing, messing up, open, fou- open mouth, insert foot, was just a guy that was just like. But there was something that Jesus loved about Peter. It was, and what it was is that there was a lot of sm- smarter guys on the disciple on the disciple team than than Peter. There were guys that were more proficient, more tact more tactful in their personalities, maybe more educated. But Peter was the guy that just knew how to take steps of radical faith, and Jesus loved that. And I think that's what pleases God, is that Hebrews 11 says that your faith pleases God. And when you and I put our trust, and we wake up in the morning with all of our brokenness and all of our you know, our wreck inside of our soul that happens because of living in this broken world, and we just, you know before our feet hit the ground in the morning, Uh, we are a success story. You know, we are winners, whether we, whether, I mean, that's the way our days start. I just really want us to understand that God is so for you, you know, in your marriage, in your business, in your personal life, in your mental life. um, Everything in this world system is geared to just wear down and destroy the male self-image, okay? And that's in the porn industry, that's in the addiction industry, that's in the industry that, you know, And and, and so I want to just say that first of all, God is so for you. God is so for you. And and we're going to probably have like 80% 80 or 90% of your thoughts or projections that come to our minds do not reflect, them, maybe even more, do not reflect who we are who we are in Christ. Uh, And it's a lie. And so the devil creates this. He creates this lie. He creates this image of who you are. And from the day you're born, tries to force that down our throat. And that's called the old, that's called the flesh. That's called this, that's the old creation, the old man. And, and, and many times it's, it is geared to just the opposite of who we are as a, as a creation, as a person. And so um, the devil, the enemy of our souls, um, spends most of his time saying this to us, you know, uh, God is, I am not and he's always hiding behind things. He's always hiding behind circumstances, situations, and he's taking these um, pot shots from us. You know, you know, he's sni- he, like, we're under sniper power, con- uh, sniper shot uh, continually because the devil wants to take us out. He wants to discourage us because if he can discourage you, then, um, and I'll tell you, like, I mean, you know, there's awesome churches. There's awesome organizations in the world today. There are people that you know, I really believe, and I say this sometimes here, I mean, I'm an American pastor, but I know there's African pastors or Nepalese pastors or Chinese or Indian pastors that, you know, I mean, I, I would not even be worthy to tie their shoes. They're just such amazing. I mean, they've lost family members because of the gospel. They've been shot at. They've been like, you know, there's there's guys that I know that walk 15 miles to, a, to do a Bible study with five people. You know, mm-hmm. he's walking 15 yeah. miles. 15 miles in the rain to do a Bible study where five people show up. I mean, that's not me. <laughs> like, I'm not, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not comparing myself to them. But I think just because we're an American, we're Americans, that does not mean that we have the corner on the the, the, the center of, the, of the, the work of the kingdom of God. I don't mean that the diminish us, I'm not saying that. I don't mean to do this in a comparison way. But I think that that we live in such a self-absorbed society that because we are a certain ethnic group or a certain certain whatever, that we have some kind of special favor with God. And that's not the case. It really is not the case. And so the devil really wants us to have either an inflated view of ourselves or a deflated view of ourselves. And Pastor Stevens would always say that humility is not thinking too highly or too lowly of yourself. You're just not living in self-awareness at all. Because you're living in Christ awareness, and that's what sets us free as men. And I think that the devil wants to just wants to wants to discourage you. It wants to wants wants our confession to be a confession of discouragement, a confession where we're just confessing his perspective about our life, and we don't even know it. We don't even know it. And so that's the first thing I just want to say is that God is so for us. You know, every one of us in this room. Struggle with the same stuff, and I think the devil will try to try to isolate you in you're thinking No one else wrestles with this stuff that I'm wrestling with and that's not true It's not true at all what I find very often is is that When Satan attacks people this is what he does the first thing he'll do is he'll try to isolate you and think To get you and I to think I'm the only one that's being attacked like this, you know and when he does that, we, we separate ourselves uh, in our minds mm. and we just put ourselves in a place where we can just get really beat up by, by the atmosphere. Yeah. And so um, usually when, when, when trials happen in people's lives, it's just not with one person. It's usually something that's happening across the board yeah. in a lot of Christians on a church mm. level and even on Christianity level. And so I think right now, there is just a spirit of discouragement that wants to come in. Mm-hmm. And just people that I've talked to here in the Houston area that don't even go to our church. Like, that's what they wrestle. I mean, Brandon said it last night. People wrestle with this stuff. And so, why does the devil want to discourage us? Because because he understands more than we do, way more than we do. He understands our potential and who we are in Christ. and, and if And if he can get us to believe that stuff, then... We just start we stop initiating in the kingdom of God. And when we stop initiating in the kingdom of God, then then that's very sad. And so um and so I just want to say that first of all that that we are, you know, that God is so for us. I, I just was thinking like the last couple of weeks, and I said it last night, Daniel ten and Ezekiel three, and and he's, you know, in, in Revelations chap you know, Revelations we see this happen with John the the Apostle John, is that you know, God gives this incredible vision and burden to people and like, and to men. You know, Daniel, Ezekiel, Paul, Moses, you know, like these. And, and sometimes it can be so overwhelming. Like I just was reading about, you know, Daniel 10. Daniel's like he he receives the vision from God. He's so overwhelmed he can't even stand up. He's like, God, I can't do this. This is his wave, you know, and he's laying on his face. It says lifeless. And then it says, uh, 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 one in the similitude of the Son of Man, we know who that is, Jesus Christ, comes and put his hand on me. Um, David said that in Psalm 139. He says, you've put my hand, you've put your hand on me. You know, we have the hand of God on us. And, 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 And Jesus says to Daniel, thou beloved Daniel. And then later on in the chapter, Daniel says this, he goes, because you have spoken to me, I have strength. And I just think that like we really need as men to have God speak to us. We need to live in the spoken word. Somebody said it here last night, I think Pastor Adam, like Rhema. Just living in Rhema, personal rhema for your life. If you and I are not living in personal rhema, rhema means God's God's logos being applied in my particular details of my life in a personal way, not private interpretation, but practical spiritual application, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Does that make sense? So the Logos being applied to my life, the Logos written word of God, the creed, the written word being applied to my life through the Holy Spirit in practical application through spiritual things being being compared with spiritual things. And so living in Rhema, and and we know this in Matthew 4 verse 4, that Greek word is Rhema, man shall not live by Logos. No, it's not Logos, it's Rhema, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. So that is our life. And if I don't live in rhema, um, I'm a casualty. And um, and, uh, I can't, I'm just continually astounded at the, where is it, where, you know, it's like sometimes the devil wants to isolate us. Like Elijah says, you know, I'm the only one that's standing for you. And God's like, no, you're not. There's 7,000 that have not bowed there. So don't live in this, don't live in this fake isolation that the devil wants to get you and I into. We, um, we see in the Bible, over and over and over, God using very simple, uh, meager resources to 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 bring about great victories. We see God whittling down large armies down to just three hundred men to take <coughs> to take the Midianites. and we see. We see, we see Jonathan and, and we see Jonathan and his servant taking a, gar- a Philistine garrison, mm-hmm. and they couldn't do it unless, you know, like Jonathan is saying to his servant, "Can we do this? Do you think we can do this?" And his servant says, "You know, like if you go, I'm with you. God's with us, and we'll just go up there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and we'll just see what happens." Mm-hmm. And it's like if we got two, you know, <laughs> he sent them out by two, and that's why team, that's why teams are so important. It's mm-hmm. so important that we be a part of a team. I'll be, be part of a local church that we have, you know, because Pastor Adam and I were talking about this the other day, like in in greater grace, we don't send teams of just married couples. And I, we don't, that happens in his God's sovereign plan. But it, like, you know, we need, I could not last here, just with my <laughs> wife and I I'd just be, I'd probably throw in the towel. I mean, we need a team. We need a team. We need to visit. We need to be around people because the devil is in this continual program of isolation. So um, that being said, and that being understood, and that being, you know, if we could just see the angelic traffic around you and I, you know, in our lives. Like like if we could see it for a minute. And God doesn't show it to us because he wants us to walk by faith. But like you think, you know, you're thinking sometimes about yourself. Well, I'm just so-and-so, and I'm just a Bible college student, or you know I'm just along for the ride and but it's like if you could see the 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 amazing angelic traffic around you like you remember Elijah and his servant and god and Elijah prays you know and and then God opens the eyes of his mm-hmm. servant to see the armies all around them that's you and i that's, that's us right. you know that's that's you going to h e b in the morning you know it's you on route forty five driving up you know that's like you going to what is it in Baltimore? Kroger's? Or what do you guys got there? Super Fresh or whatever it is? Giant. 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 All, these, All, yeah. these, okay. All these. You know, we're like, that's, you know, you walk into... We, is. we is. So if, like, if we could... <laughs> we is. I mean, if we could see... Oh, oh. That being said, <laughs> that being said, the devil is trying to sell to us, and that the, the package is always the same. It just looks different every year. Until the day we die, he's trying to sell us this package... Um, there's three ways that temptation betrays us. And C.S. Lewis said in his book, the beginning of the screw letters, he said this, readers are advised to remember that the devil is a liar. And uh, we, often, we can hardly remember too often, for as long as we are in this world, something within us. that In Ephesians 4, verse 22, does somebody have that? They could read it. If whoever gets it first, just read it out. That you put off concerning the former conversation.
2: Which is corrupt, to
0: the from lust. That's why is it corrupt because of lust? it says, as Peter said, he said that we are delivered from the patterns of the lust patterns of the flesh by the what the exceeding promises, the precious promises of God. when you and I live in expectation, like we said last night, live in expectation, and this is what I really want to teach our people here in Houston is just have an expectation from God. Mm-hmm. We could yeah. talk about that on Sunday. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we could talk about that Sunday. It's like this world tells us through technology that <clears throat> you can't have any expectations. And, and I think that when we live in a series of disappointments, the older we get, the harder it is for us to believe, you know what, God could do something really great when I turn 80. My, my ministry could just be starting when I turn 80, you know, like mm-hmm. Moses. You know, mm-hmm. the devil wants you to believe that in your family... That in your situations, that nothing's going to change. And that you've been down this road so many times, it's never going to change. Why not believe? Why not be, why not be a, a converted, born-again believer in the grace of God? Like, you know what I'm saying? We need to be converted about the way we think about grace. Like, either God is for you, or he's not for you. Right. And, and, I mean, right? I mean, is God for you? If he gave not us his son in Romans chapter 8, will he not give us what? some things you know all things all things all you know and it's like let's let's think that way but temptation temptation comes along what he does is what he what the devil wants to do is he wants us to make he wants to make us small in our own eyes and make every mountain you know make everything so huge when god what god wants to do is he wants to show us who he is Um, Like Peter, thou art thy Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus turns around and says to Peter, you got that right, so I'm going to reciprocate to you who you are. You are Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. If we can, you know, when we're dealing with temptation, when we're dealing with all the stuff that's in our soul, the stuff that's coming up, when I became a dad, uh, I mean, it was just stuff there I didn't even know was there. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like man I had to get saved again I had to like I had to go Pastor Adam I need to be baptized again you know I was just like man I mean are you serious like I remember as a single I mean as a married guy doing child raising seminars I was like what the heck did I mean you know like I need to go back and read these notes and I think there are these times when we can get so discouraged about our experience but we have to remember that don't live in your experience I think the new movement that we see today, and, and, you know, I have Calvinistic friends. I have Reformed friends. I love them. They're, you know, awesome people. But I think that we need to be careful about our theology of sanctification. Our theology of sanctification is not me perfecting myself, right. me working on myself. It's, right. never, it's never do better. Our theology of sanctification in greater grace we teach is, is what we see in Philippians where Paul said, Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. But we never read that second verse, do we? For it is God who works in us to, to will and to do of what his good pleasure. That is our sanctification theology. That's how we teach sanctification. Is that God, I'm very aware of my brokenness as a husband, as a dad, as, as a pastor. As a driver on Route 45, <laughs> you know, <laughs> very aware of my brokenness, and God, you have to, you have to, you have to work in me to will and do. And somebody may say, "Well, that's very passive. That's very, you know, we got to be more." In, and here's the words that we hear in Christianity: here, you got to be more intentional. You got to be more cognizant. What are some of the other words? You got to be more. You've got to apply yourself. <clears throat> you got to hate your sin more you got to love Jesus more than you love your sin. That's all true, but it doesn't happen until we see Christ. And when we see Christ and we have a picture of him and our vision is proper, <clears throat> then we discover that I am everything already that I need to be. That's right. And I don't need to. And then what happens? Our Our experience in our life submits to that, who we are in Christ. And it's not me trying to make my... Trying to battle with my experience like a, like an God. unruly child, Praise God. you know, it is me being uh, absorbed with the personhood of Christ and having a vision of Jesus Christ high and lifted up. And when we do that, everything else is in the right place. Here's an example. Do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus is going to feed the five thousand, right? And what does he first do? What does he first do before he he has he feeds the five thousand? He says, everybody sit down. Sit down and just be quiet. Sit in the presence of Christ. That's good. That's good. And when we, you know, like if we got stuff in our life, I mean, there's three things that the devil wants to wants us to believe. Number one, that like, um, you know, uh, freedom lies just over the fence of God's guidelines. That's number one. <laughs> number, number two, wow. yeah. sin holds something essential to our happiness. That's number two. And number three, uh, obedience to God is going to make us miserable. And I think that here's what the devil does. And we, read, we see this wow. in Matthew chapter 4. You know, this is what we see in Matthew chapter 4. Number one, um, that, that, um, that, the, okay, he does three things. He lessens, the devil wants to lessen the guilt of sin. He, you know, then he wants to hide the danger of our sin. And then number three, he wants to embellish the pleasure of sin. And these three things happen to us because what he says is like, you know, it's not going to be that bad. You actually deserve this because you've been, <clears throat> he'll, he'll come at Jesus and he says, you know what, you're the son of God, you deserve this. You deserve to take what is in your power <clears throat> to do And to please your flesh, you deserve this because you've just been so beat up, and you're just so miss. You know, you're not appreciated, and you know nobody understands how hard you work and what you're going through. And the devil will just come at us like with this thing, like you deserve this, and he'll lessen the guilt of the sin. Number two, you know, and then and then after, you know, if we're just like we're like you know, we're so accused. Romans, uh, Revelations, twelve, verse ten. We just, we, we begin to live in the second stage of the satanic ministry towards us, which is accusation. And, and um, you know, and then the second thing is that the devil wants us to believe is that, you know, the, the, the danger of sin. And, like, um, Spurgeon wrote an article or chapter or something. I don't remember where it was, but it was just, it was just, it was a, the title, the title of the book was... Um, it's like this, the exceedingly, the exceeding sinfulness of sin, <laughs> and it's like somehow we just get in our minds, like we just forget, like man, I can do this, and, and like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I remember, I've told this story before, but like, you know, whenever, when we lived in Maryland, I worked at a finance company, and you know, some of the people in the office went to went to Vegas, you know, just for the weekend, and they came back, they were all excited about going to Vegas, you know, and just going crazy, and living, living it up, and and they were all excited about going. And then Monday morning comes. They get, to, they, get to the, they get back to the office. And everybody, all these people are just wrecked. They get this horrible countenances. I mean, they weren't believers. I, I don't think they were. But they just looked horrible. They look hungover. They just look wrecked. And I, said, you know, I was like, did you guys have a great time? You know, was, it, was it like, was it what you expected? And they just were like, oh, be quiet. You know, and just, oh, you know, and great. this psychology is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But it doesn't. It stays in your soul, and you take it home with you back to your family, and it's like, what's that? Yeah, it's like, and Houston's the same way, man. I mean, just down the street. I mean, it just, it's like this stuff. You know, the devil wants to, you know, the devil wants to um, wants to really hide from us the you know the danger of it, and then he also wants to embellish the play. And this is the thing that we always forget that it's not as pleasurable as we thought it would be. You know, it's just. You know, we get that we forget, like, man, you know, when we think about our past, we think, man, you know, that was like, I could do that, and it was fun, and, and then it's like, it's not. It's just, it wrecks your life. True pleasure is when I discover who Christ is, and the road seems narrow at first. Pastor Schaller teaches this, you know, the road seems narrow at first. Like, all of our, all of our decisions seem to be extremely narrow, but after you go through that narrow gate, all these awesome God opportunities open up in your life. And it's like true pleasure in in Psalm 16, verse 11, is at the right hand of God. That's true pleasure. And as believers, we have so much joy and fun in our marriages, in our relationships, in our life, than we could have ever experienced, um, you know, outside of Christ. And the pleasure of sin is for a moment, and there's all of these, you know, it's just entanglement. But the pleasures are, the pleasures... And those are temporary. We forget that it's temporary. The pleasures with Christ in Psalm 16, verse 11, are forevermore. They are eternal. And it's like, you know, we were talking with a missionary at our house. And, and, and we were like, you know, we are so, we get to do this. This is so much fun, you know. And we get to go home with peace in our heart. You know, I, yeah. one of my most famous, one of my most favorite parts of, of a day is when I drive home from like a Bible school class or a church meeting or a rap or something and I get to drive home and I just experience this joy and this great peace in my heart. Like this is this is truly living. You know, this is truly living. And I'll just finish with this is that, you know, true, true joy, true adventure, the true reckless life that we seek, like to be free and to like not be under is to live for Christ, to make faith decisions. So I'll close with this. Let's make st- decisions by faith. When you and I make decisions by faith, we're revealing hidden kingdoms. We're, we're pulling back the curtain. When you say, I'm going to go to Houston by faith, I'm going to go to Bible college by faith, you're going to be surprised the demonic activity that just comes out of the woodwork. Like, What? I mean, like you're going to go to Bible school. What are you going to do there? You're going to get a you're going to get a certificate? No, it's not even accredited. Well, I'm going to know God, you know. And then family members that you thought were on your side or whatever, they're going to be like, "What are you? What are you doing?" You know. And don't be surprised because when you and I take steps of faith in our marriage, in our personal life, um, and here's the thing about temptation: when it comes. Sometimes it's just like, you know what, God, just get me through this hour. (laughs) Just get me through this hour, man. You know, Lord, get me through this hour. And when you pray that way and you say, God, temptation, I discern it. Uh, There's nothing in me other than you and your sovereign power that can deliver me from this. And when you and I say yes to God in the midst of temptation... And we acknowledge it. and We say it's there. We don't. By the way, if you feel tempted, don't condemn yourself. Don't live in condemnation, because when you do that, that's just a satanic way of pushing you outside of fellowship with the life of God. When you feel that temptation coming, just say, "You know what, God? Woe is me. I'm broken. I'm just God. I'm a wreck. You know, I'm so wrecked. And yet, and I don't know who said this, or, or, but you know, our brokenness attracts the compassion of God. Mm-hmm. You know, that, like, when you and I are broken, when we're, like, a wreck, you know, when we're, when, you know, like, when you're just, you know, you can't get out of bed, man, because, like, you got 42,000 demons on your chest, <laughs> you can't get out of bed, man, like, you're just like, yeah, get them, yeah, yeah, keep them in that him. bed, man, you know, and you're feeling that way, and you just say, like, oh, wretched man that I am, yeah. and then, you know, and then the cross says, yeah, wretched man, you're a wreck, and you're even worse than you think you are, you know, <laughs> and then we say, okay, you know, and this is what my new strategy is when the devil accuses me I say you know what you're exactly right right amen everything you're saying is right it's probably even worse than what you're saying yeah but
2: Jesus, Jesus. Amen. but amen. the
0: blood, the blood. And, and and then you just say Lord here I am you know so don't live in condemnation for things that you remember just just define it just say you know that's a that's an ugly thought or that's an ugly thing and don't live in it because condemnation leads to chain sinning and And don't do that. Just Mm -hmm. I think when we get to the place of depression or discouragement or fear or whatever our shame cave is, we get there because there's a moment probably hours ahead that we just stop thinking, trusting God about Mm -hmm. things like, you know, you stop trusting God about your life. And it's going to lead you and I to... Everybody's got this shame cave that they just are hanging out in when they go to the dark places. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what? Hey, I'll tell you what. There are no caves. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no caves. i got to say this. There's no shame caves in the presence of God. because It's like, you know, there's no place we can hide in, in Hebrews chapter 4. All is exposed. And guess what? You know, if your heart condemns you, you know this, that God is greater than your heart. I love this. Yeah. And when you feel condemned... I, that verse tells me this, that, like, hey, God knows more than I know about my heart. And when you get a revelation of how wicked you are, just praise the Lord because it's worse than you think. It's worse than you know. <laughs> right, right. And it's just the grace of God. He's not showing That's you the okay. whole thing all at once because we can spit <laughs> a pile of ashes, smoking ashes. But, like, he knows all things, yet he loves us and he's for us. And, and um You know, and so when that happens, don't live in condemnation. Don't beat yourself up, but just say like, you know, I'm, I am what I am by the grace of God and, and, and I can't change anything. Mm -hmm. I can't change anything about that. But when we present ourselves like that in this place and say, God, here's this, and then here's you. uh, And then you know what happens? God will just supernaturally create you know, show up to class, just come to church, just show up to fellowship, go to, you know, don't don't withdraw. Don't make a place for the devil. Live in the promises of God. And when you have no faith, just say, God, I'm my mind in Romans chapter 7 is leaning towards you, is like, you know, is like in your direction. And when we think like that, it's shocking how God will literally create circumstance. You'll get a phone call. Or you'll be out the door and you'll run into somebody and share the gospel. I mean there's going to be opportunities that will deliver you from that from that stuff. Just don't, you know, don't uh, don't live in it because we that's not who we are. Like that is no longer who you and I are. And let's remember that there's an anointing in our I'll close with this. There's an anointing in our life. And that the anointing is is something that that is the most priceless thing that we possess. You know, Martin Luther said this, that my call is everything I am nothing, and it's just been a theme in my in my life just over the years that what I have my calling, my calling to fellowship with Christ, my calling to His body, my calling to serve God, my my calling in my marriage, or my lack of my marriage or whatever it is, like is sacred and and don't sell it out. Don't sell it out. You know. Um, mm. So let's encourage ourselves when we talk to people here in Houston. When we knock on somebody's door, um, I'll tell you kind of how we do it. Can I shut this off? Can I end this now? All right, because I'm. Done. You're on. You're live.
2: Wow! Thank you, Lord Jesus, for um, this an amazing, amazing conference week in mm-hmm. Houston, Texas. Boy, God, we're alive, and we're um, alive. And, God, because we're alive, we thank you, Lord, for just the amazing fellowship, the unity that we're having with the men and women here today. And, God, we have a thought that we want to, um, you know, open up so that we can all just see, like, your heart behind it. God, what it is that you will have us to, like, really take away. And we, we we came seeking you first. God, we came, you know... Hearts prepared, God, for you to for you to speak to us now. God, speak to us through this word in Christ's name. Amen. amen. Well, Amen. I was I was thinking um you know about the subject. You know, Pastor Jason gave me a thought and and I kind of got several thoughts, but I just wanted to share a little testimony first. And um it's very interesting what the devil will have us think about, you know. Being a man, right? And you know, it's easy. It's easy when we, you know, we wake up every day, and there's a lot of things that we have to do. There's, you know, um, issues. There's problems. There's, you know, the family. There's just a lot of stuff that, you know, the world system comes in and it starts to really, you know, encroach on us as. The body of Christ, men of God, to say, this is what man is. This is how man should function. Um, And then the next thing you know, there's a battle for the position that we've been called into as men, right, in Christ. That all of a sudden it can begin to take this toll on you, you know, because you know Satan wants to be the the author of confusion so he he wants to run he wants us he wants us to run around as men in this system and and have some type of form of godliness yeah. right, but yet denying the power thereof mm-hmm. and this is what i've been finding like you know as i've been walking with God for you know over twenty five years is that you know um there's there's a system that's higher than the world system and the beautiful part about what it is is that Christ when he came, he really came, he really came to do something and he did it in Genesis, right? He really, he really came to uh, take back, you know, um, the man of God who God created that Satan came and he had dominion for a season, right? And kept people captive in this system of darkness So that he thought that he was the ruler. But then we we understand like Jesus' position why he came was to really, you know, bring us out of that system of, you know, psychological warfare, I call it, right? Mm -hmm. That we can live in a higher place than a place where it's different. And um, then it was, the battle was on, right? And that battle began where? It began in Matthew chapter 4. And when uh, Jesus was doing amazing, you know, uh, miracles and casting out demons and doing all these things, and his disciples, says, man, he said, why can't we do that? How did you do that, right? And it was, you know, a lot of questions behind the authority that he had. But, you know, when I thought about, like, this strong man here in this, in this, uh, in this chapter and verse and I really looked at this picture really carefully because isn't it crazy how like, you know, people say you gotta be strong, right? So it automatically puts this, this responsibility on us as men, you know, husbands, you know, families. Here's what a man is. And, um, and if, you're not, if you're not a real strong man, then you must be what? A failure, or the opposite of strong, is what weak. Weak, right? And I thought about that. Like, how can I be a how can I be a weak man and um, do responsibilities and take on this, you know, so called identity as manhood and um, live up to this? And then I realized that I I couldn't do it. But then in the place where God uh, has called us, um, he said, I got grace, I got grace men now, right? He says, now that you are a grace man, let me show you a new and living way that's that's different than what this man is. Because, see, this man um, was um, battled, right, in um, the wilderness with Satan, when Satan and Jesus Christ were uh, in the wilderness, <coughs> Jesus says, I'm going I'm to take this strong man and I'm going to bind him, right? I'm going to enter into his house and I'm going to take back everything that God said belongs to God, right? And that was mankind, right? So we see that here in Matthew chapter um, 12, verse 29. It says, or how can one enter a um, strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, right? And this picture really gives us an insight on uh, how Jesus Christ, you know, he had to go into the wilderness, right? I call it the wilderness of life, right? That's where every temptation known by man that we would face in the human reality, that Christ would go into this place and be tempted at all points. And and that temptation had you and I in mind, that we as men were always tempted to be something else other than what God's created us to be, right? Like Jesus Christ went in the wilderness and shattered this man to pieces. And how did he do it? He did it in his weakness, right? He didn't go in with weapons. He didn't go in with knives. He didn't go in with you know, all these things that we could use and behind it and come out and say, this is what made me stronger because I had a knife and I took the guy out, right? But the, the warfare he showed us was he was weak but he had something behind that weakness that made him strong and that was his father, right? God Almighty sent him in the plan to really um, you know, do this battle in such a way where it looked like he was not a man that I would want to choose to do battle for me. Aren't you going to do anything? Aren't you going to fight the devil? You know, you got power. I mean, now like you are from heaven, Uh like just set the woods on fire, right? You know, and let's get this over and then we can write our message. Like Jesus used swords, he used bullets, he used guns, and then all of a sudden, now that fits my scope of manhood. But really, Jesus didn't do that, right? He says, You know, I'm going to use this weapon of warfare to bind the strong man. Have anybody ever seen Men in Black before? (laughs) Did you see that movie? It was pretty crazy, right? Like Will Smith, he had to deal with all these aliens. They were, you know, they were like coming from like different places. And they were like you know and 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 he had to protect the earth, and he had to like you know protect the lives of people and he um he had a responsibility like, how is he going to fight this war? you know like i 've never seen it before it 's different they 're not using the same weapons we 're using, and this is pretty much what God is saying to us is that you know for us to go in um to this strong man's house to take back what God has given us territory. He says, I'm gonna have to give you something that you don't have initially that man could see, you know, by eyesight, a gun, a knife, you know, a sword, but I'm gonna give you something that you can use in any situation that you come in to take back what belongs to God first was you and I. And then, you know what? You're going to bind up everything around your life, right, using this one single thing, and it's called God's authority. Right? God gave us the authority based in the reality of where he took us out of a system that was saying this is who's in charge, and he's saying now, right, you're over Satan, because guess who was over Satan? Jesus Christ. He says, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, Satan has nothing over me. Mm-hmm. And in the one translation in John chapter 14, verse 30, that verse says, you know, Satan has nothing in me. But it's really translated, the word says, Satan has nothing over me. And his disciples were saying, what do you mean by this? We don't understand. You're talking. Why don't you just make this simple for us to understand? And he says, listen, I'm going to voluntarily lay down my life. I'm going to go to the cross, and, the, and, and I'm going to defeat that last enemy, which was called death. And guess what? I'm going to do it voluntarily. You know why? Because I already put Satan under my feet, right? And see, anything that's under our feet, that's to start with the head and the bottom of our feet is where we walk, right? So he's at the lowest place, Jesus Christ said. So he can't do anything to you and I because the authority that, you know, has been given me from my father, I'm going to lay my own life down, right? Wow. What man would say, I'll take my own life and lay it down, right? Only the grace man, right? He has to be a man of grace. He has to be a man that realizes that you don't take my life, I lay it down, right? Mm -hmm. And then in laying it down, You get something back that you never seen before, and that's this new image of God, right, that he's created you in. Something beautiful that you would have never known if you had to try to keep your own life, right? And then now you see Christ in the picture, like replacing the life that you once lived as a man, and you see Jesus. That's the whole goal behind, right, what the strong man, the binding up the devil was, right? He's bound up. And then all of a sudden, I have the, I have the same authority to break the, that mold of that image and bind that image up so that when it starts coming in my mind and saying, this is, you know, you, you, you fail and Satan's, he's throwing uh, accusations at you and he's throwing, you know, you, you, you're, you're not a man of God and he's throwing all these pictures at you and you just can bind those pictures up because they were already, what, dealt with.
1: Okay.
2: Right? Done. Jesus finished it in the wilderness and gout, Gal- and then he transferred he us finished. something that was finished. Mm-hmm. That now we, who are men of grace, have to be a grace man. We're saying, God, boy, our weapons of warfare, and, and that's in Ephesians 6:10, is not carnal, but they're spiritual, and they're mighty through those. Pulling down of strongholds, right? So that all of a sudden, now the things that once, as a man inside the system of Satan, seemed to irritate me, now they become, you know, like my dinner. (laughs) That's the problem? Yeah, we eat that for lunch, right? We eat situations and temptations and all those things because me being the body of Christ. You know, and I uh, think about when Satan is under something, he's at the lowest part of my body, which is the feet, right? That now, as I'm walking, I see exactly what he sent that I'm going to tread on, so that it's him and his demons, so that when I'm going to take back territories, anything that he's he's came outside of the finished work, I have the authority to say, not today, mm-hmm. right? So... A stomp on his head, right? And I realize that he's under my feet because that's the position that God's gave us. Yeah. So when we think about, like, you know, who is the issue when it comes to, you know, strongholds? Who, who, who is the um, problem when it comes to, you know, broken situations? Who, who, is, who is the one that we look at when there's a, somebody's pointing at you and then there's a finger pointing back at you. Who is it? Right? We know the devil, he's good at those things. But see, when we are pointing we're pointing like this, right? We're pointing to the one that says, "That's been dealt with. That's been taken care of, right? It's not in you. You are in Christ, right? And and because you're in Christ, now you are a person who are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. Amen? Because Satan says he knows his man, he knows this manhood is not in the old system anymore. So he's not defending that, but he's defending his right as a mankind of God, right? In the system. Of God, where we now think above those things, right? And we think with Christ because Philippians 2 5, we have a new mind that helps us think in the position, right? Where the enemy's coming to make himself seem bigger than what he is, and really when he's the little g. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, hey, you ever heard of little g? Mm-hmm. Hey, big g, right? God, that's who gives him authority to do anything, right? So we know when God gives permission, like he did with Job. We can say, God, thank you for this test and this trial, but it's not mine, right? But God will walk with us through those things so that he can teach us how the victory was won. I love how a victory's won already before we even start. Wow, that's like Mm -hmm. like so incredible. It's like, you know, how do we get through that? That's what most people say. Well, how do I go through this, right? And this is a part of how we go through it. Coming to Texas today. Getting on an airplane, Mm -hmm. no car at the rental place, right? Um, All the the natural things of life that we expect to be lined up, they're not in place. (laughs) Well, God says, well, where'd you get that picture at? Like, everything's gonna be like this. He says, I shattered that. He says, but what I gave you is a picture of how you can walk in this, you know, amazing life of Christ. And I can do what I will when I want in the way I want and how I want it done. And you're going to be okay with it, right? And that's grace, man, right? Because we need a grace man to understand that we can't put God in a box that says, this is how you move. <laughs> but we can say, God, this is what you've done. And we're thankful that we now know that the strong man has been, you know, bound up, twisted up. And we were a part of that authority now that we can use that power, right? That God's given us. But it's not by might. But it's by what? His spirit. We have the spirit of the Lord. We have the sword of the word. And we have the victory over everything Serpent, everything moving, everything in this land to take back territories like Pastor Jason said, our ministries where we need, you know, God's men uh, coming beside one another and saying, I'm teaming up with you, I'm shouldering up with you in this battle, right? Because it's not yours alone, it's the Lord's. And we agree with Texas that we are here showing support as great men um, that Satan has nothing over us. Amen. That's the message.
1: Yeah,